I'm gonna do a short intro, okay, and then we're gonna go. Okay. <clears throat> Welcome to the match start. Oh wow. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see, no, uh, no, no, no. I, 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 I think we actually need to look like what it ended up re- rescheduling. As in, it clearly seems like you don't, don't even know which podcast you're on. <laughs> Dally, relax. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Welcome to the Founder Source Podcast with myself, Masiru Mudal, um, Dali Songoma, and Ubuvele Kopo. Um, Today's podcast is really a summary of the insane, insane, insane year that we've had. Um, how difficult it was, how fortuitous it was for some people, and just really trying to find the wins, the losses, and the really big players that made a massive difference in Africa's startup ecosystem. Um, we're going to try and do this as best as possible with like the resources that we have. We're all using our you know, uh, computers with uh, earphones and AirPods and stuff like that. No need for the heavy gear. Unfortunately, it's too late in the year to be trying to run around and making microphones and this and that. So we're super, super excited just to be here with you. Um, really grateful for the year that we've had. Um, even with all the losses, um, all the pain, the difficulty, um, and the, the insane amount of challenges that people had to fight, whether it was an entrepreneur, the average person, um, small businesses, startups, governments, corporations. Um, this was a year to really fight and it's it, it's a lot um, to unpack, but we're going to try and do that um, as best as possible. Um, let's just start this off with this, um, guys. How was your year? Like, what was 2020 like for you? And what are the things that you want to highlight about this year for yourself personally and the work that you were doing? Yeah, I'm not too sure if Ububele wants to start, but I can start on this I side. I can go. Um, uh, yeah. Um, the year was... Start off great, like mash. Um, things were things were fun. I, I remember the first two months we had we had fun. Um, then the lockdown hit, uh, uncertainty came, and then you know people didn't know what they were going to do for the rest of the year. Uh, but after like a couple of months, two or three months, um, things became better, right? I started I started writing more. I started a newsletter which uh, ex- like exceeded my expectations. I built a job board. People started getting jobs. Uh, we we built uh, stores for people through Compass. Like like looking back, the overall uh, impact of the year, like it was bad in Germany, like mental health wise, like uh, overall global conditions. But personally, for my personal growth, it was it was actually a great year for that aspect. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, in general, it was a bad year, but personally, uh, it was actually good um, for me and whatever endeavors that I, I did, as, men- as mentioned. Tali? Yeah, on this side, uh, because I, I push weights, it's physical products, it was bad in March. March and April, it was just like a full lockdown, no trade, no whatever. Um, Oculus or Facebook, whatever you want to call them, they had no stock. So we actually went through the trenches just to try and see as to how we could actually push things through. So, yeah, um, things were a bit of a struggle. Did actually still push through. Then, obviously, in November, December, we were able to actually hit seven figures in terms of our sales. But, yeah, Excuse I was me, actually what? hoping for... A- <laughs> 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 Did you just say seven figures? 
Okay, yeah, seven figures. No seven figures, to be quite frank. And in I'm actually month. still quite upset about it. Yeah, in a month. In a month. But anyway, that is regardless of <laughs> so what I'm rich. trying to get at. <laughs> we're rich. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is that at the, at the end of the day, I still need to pay bills. So the matter is that during the whole year, it was pretty much just getting into losses. Uh, Black Friday did help a bit, but I think the festive season really actually pushed us through to actually get into the, the black. But yeah, it was a tough year. I was actually hoping to hire more people this year, but at least I was able to actually keep six people on payroll, full pay throughout the whole year, which I'm actually quite grateful for. But That's next awesome. year, yeah, a whole lot of growth. Actually trying to make sure that, hey, um, this same unemployment nonsense, I want to actually end. I want to actually get us into the low unemployment um, numbers because I want people to actually have the mobility to move from one one place to another without having to worry that they have to hold on to that dear job. Because again, I think um, it might be a nov, uh, novelism if we want to claim it, but the mere fact is that we've got seven plus billion people who can all uh, be profit centers in a sense. So that's what I'm actually trying to push for is that, for example, Oopster has been able to start his own newsletter. Soon enough, I know that he's gonna monetize that. Mash, as we know, he's always a hustler, always making a whole lot of cash, be it as accounting gigs or be it as other companies. But yeah, he's an, account- he's an accountant now. When did I become an accountant? <laughs> 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 no, we know you're, you're counting those stacks. You're counting those stacks. Hey, that's the that's the reason. So yeah, but um, hey, you know, look, that, what, what, that education from UJ is coming in handy. <laughs> I think you have to call it half an education if if the person drops out. It's not a full education. Well, I, I don't have the piece of paper to prove that I went. Well, I, well, I, I think uh, degrees and uh, certificate, certificates are bad indexes for for education. Well, we're going to get into that. And also get into like next year and what plans we might have as well. But um, from my side, like for a summary of this year, it's just like, the first three months, I was already thinking about going um, sort of independent and trying to build my own thing. And <clears throat> I think the pandemic hit and the idea of doing that actually, it, it, it was a concept before, but like then I was forced into it. And it's been like such a challenge to adapt, to adjust, to understand what it takes to actually build something. Um, I still don't feel confident that I was um, really good at that part of things. Um, I think... This year, more, more than most, really showed like whether or not you were working on things that mattered. Um, and the idea of like essential goods and whether or not you were part of the sort of people that were really doing things that mattered at a, at a scale um, really came into like the, 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 the conversation. And like a lot of the work that I was doing was really, I think the podcast was really a focus. Um, and like I think we, I got the really good results from that. But like next year, I want to build a podcast network instead of just building up a podcast. And um, you guys call me an accountant, but I'm not <laughs> in any way. But working with an accounting company um, to really show the value that they have and the insane technology that they 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 trying to build to um, try and you know help entrepreneurs build better. Um, I think this year was really, really, really difficult from the standpoint of like at one point you really thought you had it figured out like what this year was going to be. And then halfway through, you get hit with something that no one's ever faced. And it's like, oh, shit, 
you need to come up with new answers. You need to build new products. You need to be able to adapt as quickly as possible to actually find wins, right? And building the founder source um, platform, that was like the biggest highlight of this year for me. I think founder source is most probably going to be like a really, really meaningful force for entrepreneurs and creators across the continent. And like, that's also a big thing is like, not enough continent plays, like too much local still. Um, I feel like I'm still a South African um, podcast. I'm still a South African entrepreneur. I'm still like trying to build for South Africa instead of really figuring out what it looks like to build for the entire continent or possibly global. And yeah, man, some really good wins, especially with Compass as well. I think the project that we did like mid-lockdown when we decided, you know what, let's build online stores for different small businesses to help them get online. I thought that was like one of the best projects of this year. Um, I think one of the interesting things that happened that showed that it was such a good project was another company trying to copy the same thing and then failing and then pretending that they never tried to copy it. And then sort of just ignoring us asking, hey, did you actually do it? Because it's one thing to copy someone's concept um, when they're trying to do good, but then to fail at doing it and not actually follow through is kind of disrespectful. But we talked that up to just like nonsense in the weirdness of this year. But yeah, I think it was a really, really strong one. And like, I think overall, there's a lot of wins to be really grateful for. But it's also important to acknowledge like the losses and the pain that might have, you know, a lot of people might have faced. And I think we must always like empathize as much as possible and like, you know, take the time to go, you know, a lot of people lost their lives this year and a lot of people um, went through mourning, um, a lot of grief. And if you're one of those people, I just want you to know, like, we really care about that. Like, that really matters. And we hope that next year is such a much better experience. Um, but yeah, besides that sad point, let's get into, like, what this year was about. First, very easy, low-ball question. What was the uh, trending startup uh, overused word of the year? I would say pivots. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, we told people to pivot this year. Yes, yes we told uh, pivot. <laughs> hey, but that's, that's been the start of the word for like years though. As in, it's always been a case of, hey, things are not working, we're going to pivot. Do you think it was an adapt then? Nah, I don't yeah, go on no, that. No, no, no. The term that we know from the very beginning. Remember when we actually had the first podcast? It was a case of, this is the new normal. Oh, a new normal. That was overused. The new normal. Yeah. Let's let's actually talk about that. Did that new normal really shift the landscape as much as we thought? Like, did it really get to the level that we thought it would get to? Did we did we actually see a complete shift of society this year? And like, what does it look like nine months after lockdown? Um, what does it look like next year? Yeah, I wouldn't say I think, complete shift, but it, there was actually a shift. But I'll let Ubele start. No, I think, um, yeah, yeah, there, there was definitely a shift, right? Um, for a subset of people, uh, especially like knowledge workers. I know a lot of large organizations have fully shifted to uh, a hi- at least a hybrid model of working, right? So a lot of uh, workers within the banking space and uh, insurance space and these large multinationals like MTN have been working from home like fully and they're still working from home and they're still going to work from home 
for the foreseeable future. So, like, I think on the new normal of working, yes, there has been a shift. But in ordinary um, lives of people, like, as soon as uh, lockdown restrictions eased, people went back to doing what they usually do, like sitting in restaurants, eating. And I think people thought, um, given the nature of the of the of the pandemic, people completely ignore going back to a restaurant and a restaurant and eating. And that and that hasn't totally been uh, the case. And I think the big impact on the way of life or the way of doing normal things has been come on uh, by brought upon by government re- regulation more than more than a change in consumer behavior. Like the force, the forcing nature of change in consumer behavior has been what the government has been saying, not necessarily what people are doing on a day-to-day life. That's on a day-to-day basis. But how we work has been completely shifted. Yeah. Dali? Yeah, I think, obviously, um, I'm just trying to reflect on the first podcast that we actually did uh, earlier this year. But, yeah, obviously, they say, what, 21 days before you can actually um, determine that you've actually been able to adapt a new habit. But, yeah, we're, we're human. Um, there's always a human connection. For me, I do miss my traveling. It was actually one of my wishes last year to say, hey, I'm not going to travel um, outside of the country next year. But I was not expecting that the coronavirus would be the stopping force. But, yeah, um, old habits die hard. Um, obviously, I think we haven't even touched on the fact that we're now on to level three. Alcohol sales have actually been banned. I and that's that is actually quite drastic. It would have actually made more sense if it was more of a weaning period, so these people could actually prepare themselves. But I fully understand that the government actually has a mandate to uh, cover for. So yeah, um, it's been a different sort of scenario. Um, we, we when we talk of like even e-commerce, I think e-commerce is more towards a privilege. Um, straight facts. I highly doubt that anybody who actually has a basic phone can actually have the luxury of being able to order Uber Eats or even like an Uber or any of these particular services, they necessarily actually have to go out and actually go to uh, like a big save or like a checkers and the likes to actually buy their goods. So yeah, it's been quite a bit of a struggle. I'm glad that obviously the government hasn't actually gone into a drastic measure of like level five that nobody can actually operate because that was just like a waste. But uh, yeah, it's still going to be quite a struggle uh, just even going into the new year. Yeah. And like I think about you know, maybe we got a different normal, but not a new normal. It's not a complete shift of everything, but it is an adjustment um, across the board. But it's really interesting how lockdowns were sort of relaxed and put down and people really went back to whatever normal was, right? Like whether it's restaurants, whether it's visiting family, all these different things. And like, it just shows the the power of human um, behavior where, yes, you could be fighting a pandemic. Yes, there's a lot of loss and pain and everywhere. But people still have things they care about much more deeply than they care about anything else. And one of those things I feel like um, was a lot of startups and a lot of entrepreneurs that were just like, like, yeah, there's a lot that's going on. It feels very difficult. But they were willing to push through and like try and build something that really mattered and have like really good impact. What, what would you guys say were like the top three startups for you 
um, or even companies, it doesn't have to be a startup, <clears throat> that really had a massive impact um, on this year um, and, and really did amazing things that you can like highlight as well. So if you have a top three, um, please shout through. Go for it, uh, Dali. I'm not too sure if I'm going to just... Okay, cool. Uh, Apple, Zoom, and Clubhouse. Apple, Apple Zoom, Zoom Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Okay, yeah. okay, let's go through this. <laughs> First of all, Apple, okay. <laughs> no, nah, like, the thing is that everybody has always been hating on Apple. They've got the highest prices, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. As in, at the end of the day, if I was a capital allocator, I would actually put my money into Apple because they've literally been able to hit two trillion. Which other company that you know? Maybe Saudi Aramco, but the main fact is that we know that it's Apple. Um, people can hate, but the main fact is that they put in the work and they've been able to make their sales. Mm-hmm. I think we even had a chat like on the timeline with the AirPod uh, Maxes. You can hate as much as you want. Five hundred and fifty dollars, which is pretty much like around eight thousand k. Well, actually eight k um, in terms of South African rands. But people were still buying. The mere mm. fact is that, for example, they've got that brand power. And regardless, the mere fact is that I started using them actively since 2013. And I respect the hustle. Yeah, no. Next I one. Mean, how, I mean, how many also, it's a cult, though. I want you to tell people how many you bought. <laughs> well, I tried to buy, that was around, what, 10 of them? What did, yeah, so how many did you end up with? None. Do you know the things I like? For example, I'm just going <laughs> to open up my kimono just to let people know as to how exactly I was trying to go through that hassle. But I was trying to use Aramex Global Shopper and even like with the DHL eShop. Unfortunately, so both of them, they don't allow it. And even Apple does not necessarily want to send goods to a forwarding company. So unless, for instance, I actually had a friend there. But uh, I was just looking at the opportunity. I wasn't really stressing um, on that fact of actually getting a friend involved. But yeah, that was a potential. It was actually going to be 10 of them sent here. Um, obviously, the different colors as well, just to see as to how the market would work. But I, I know, as an for example, I even brought um, home parts. People would actually been eating those things up. Mm. But hey, alas, uh, the way that they actually work is that they try as much as possible not to get people to put them onto the gray market or at least use uh, official distributors. This is that, obviously, I think we talk of the HomePod. HomePod has only just been, I think, the American, uh, European, and then the Australian market. Africa has not been touched. Asia, maybe, but I haven't actually been checking up on that front. Ah, okay. Let's move on. Uh, Zoom. Ah, but Zoom is an obvious one. That's just, like, a ridiculously... Yeah. Like, I, I think about, like, timing, right? I think... Um, this is one of the sort of top five things that um, there's a TED talk about the top five things that make a business successful. And one of those things, and I think it was number three, was timing. And like, there's nothing you can do to control the opportunity of that sometimes. Like, there are some ways that uh, you can go figure it out. But Zoom was just like so perfect, like so right at that right time, at that right moment. Why did it win versus, say, Skype versus Google Meet versus there's so many yeah, other just, guys, guys? No, nah, but it's just so obvious, though. As in, like, for example, you have to realize with Zoom, you just have to have, like, an ID. Uh, compared to, like, WhatsApp, WhatsApp, of course, you actually had to obviously have a phone number, but you had a limited restriction. I think they only just recently opened it up to eight uh, people in a call, right? So you look at Skype, Skype, it was a mere fact that it was a slip. You had to sign up for an account. You have to let people know as to the, um, 
username that you're actually using in one form or another. Of course, you've also got Teams, Teams also of Microsoft. But yeah, I, I think it was just a mere fact that these guys focused on one thing and one thing only, which is just to actually connect you uh, using video and audio. Yeah. Google also had it, but you know the only problem I have with Google is that you can send it a calendar invite. It has the Google Meets um, link in it, but you're not too sure. Am I actually going to have a call on Google Meets, or is it that it's just added for the fact of actually it being there? So the things that I think uh, just across yeah. the board, um, yeah. Zoom has actually just made it so much easier. Of course, earlier this year, we had Zoom bombing and all that other nonsense. I think <laughs> Mesh, Mesh has his own well, personal it was stories. Just, it was just the user experience, right? Like the user yeah. experience was just, it was just simple to use. Like That's you just the download That's the, the app and yeah. you connect your email address and there you are. It just works. And, and, yeah, and right. the simplicity yeah. of it was the reason it just works, right? So like on True. your themes, Dali, the, like you mentioned Apple, Zoom, and clever. So the biggest, yeah. um, the biggest winner of twenty of twenty twenty was uh, was async uh, synchronous communication. So uh, pretty much, pretty uh, much. As an end of the day, I think everybody wants to actually be heard. They still want to actually connect. Um, yeah, Apple. At the end of the day, is Apple. As in, I, I don't know <laughs> what we can actually add there. But never explain. That, that explain about. Clubhouse. Explain yeah. Clubhouse. Oh. So the thing is that Clubhouse, um, obviously being a new social network, right? Um, I'm just going to uh, put it out there, but predominantly it is actually black-owned. It's like Quora. Quora, as much as it's also American, for a lot of people think that it's actually Indian, right? With people who actually jump onto the platform. So the thing is that I think um, with it being audio, you don't have to necessarily now try and craft the best message. It is pretty much asynchronous that we can actually just have a chat and we can actually um, relate with each other on different levels. So, uh, of course, there have been a variety of rooms that I've actually been on. As in the one a conversation I was actually just on was just in the morning uh, where we were just talking about our feelings in one form or another. Whilst, for instance, of course, uh, you do have deep chats, uh, the African trade um, agreement that actually happened last, last night. And even, for instance, quite a lot of queer groups. Um, I identify, of course, as, as, as straight. I wouldn't say, of course, but that's how I identify. But I'm like, hey, I want to actually learn as to what other people are actually going through and how they actually um, share. The Lion King was actually one of those um, highlights as well. I wish I actually was able to jump into that, but I think Mash would be able to share a bit more about that. But funny enough, as in, um, yeah, uh, this was one of the guys. Funny enough, I'd actually been chatting with him and... I did not necessarily realize that he was actually organizing the whole thing. So, again, those are just different ways of actually being able to commu communicate. As in, I obviously put through the tweets, which was in before Shopify, or actually not Shopify, Spotify acquires Clubhouse. Because if you think about it, it's audio. And if anything, they can actually use it as a hype machine where guys can actually have live uh, sessions. They've already got podcasts. They've already got um, music. So it seems like an obvious marriage uh, made in heaven. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That's really good. But it's also a really great way to move into my top three. Unless, Ububele, do you want to go first? Uh, no, you can go, Mesh. Okay, cool. So I've got top three. Um, I am very biased, um, unfortunately. And um, <laughs> don't love Dali. Number one, Joe Rogan, right? I know it's not a startup <laughs> and it's not a company, but... <laughs> Power shifting move. So Joe Rogan, Spotify. I look at that and I'm like, wow, 
holy shit, someone goes, okay, this is a guy that basically owns a medium and I want him on my medium exclusively and, and you want to leave everyone else in the dust. I think that Spotify getting Joe Rogan is literally the biggest player of this year, um, from, probably from a media standpoint, but also from a technology standpoint because of the content, because of the community, because of the adoption that he also drives, right? So I don't know how long that's going to last, especially because there's already sort of conflicts around, hey, they're going to censor him, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. But overall, it's such an amazing thing for podcasts to see something like that happen. I'm very curious as to what the future of podcasting looks like, not globally, but specifically for Africa. I'm very, very concerned because my uh, sort of podcast specifically, we have 500% um, growth from last year's listenership. But in the top three of countries, the, the, the United States is number three. I'm now concerned and thinking about why is it that I can't reach Nigeria more? How come I can't reach Angola more? How much, why can't I reach probably not Egypt, but you know, you get my point. I really want to be more. Data. Data. <laughs> I know. The cost of data. Distribution. <laughs> it's, it's distribution. That's true. It's like, like how, how, how you get to listen to this thing. Like you, you can, what, there's podcasting apps, which you need to actually either stream the, the podcast or you can download it. Like, mm. And those are really, really high cost in terms of somebody um, trying to uh, get access to these types of things. Like it's not like radio where you can switch off, switch on a frequency and there you, you hear Mash's voice, welcome to the Mash podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's, it's like, like high, like, like I'm sure you have Kenya up there. I'm sure you have, Nigeria. I'm sure you have yeah. Nigeria, Nigeria well. and South Africa. Yeah. You you are reaching like critical markets in terms of uh the audience that you want to reach. But the most interesting one is is um the USA. Like now when you can you know, how do you how do you feel about um packaging that for a market like the USA? Like okay, like taking what you know in South Africa, in Africa or, or whatever, and packaging towards a market that is big as um, the U.S. in terms of distribution of, of podcasts. Yeah. So I think of it as I'm like, okay, this is also an opportunity as much as I might think, you know, this is, it, it doesn't make sense for me. But like, I think it's a massive opportunity to start going, okay, how can we package this podcast to be more focused on the continent and being the number one driver to say, hey, if you want to learn about Africa's startup ecosystem, the entrepreneurs that are doing incredible work, the startups that are changing the game, um, the people that are really, really, you know, have massive impact, then you need to listen to Mass Startup Podcast. So, you know, it's not a sort of far-fetched thing to go, I want to be Joe Rogan, but Joe Rogan for startups and entrepreneurs. Maybe, hey, who knows, I might open up my podcast and next week, I have, you know, a politician on there. I have a celebrity on there. I want to see how much more this can be. Um, creating platforms that educate the world about Africa. I think I'm realizing that maybe that's actually my passion. Like, there's a lot of impact and trying to drive um, information sharing and trying to make sure people understand that, like, the tools you need to build anything are online. We're just going to, order, like, curate and make it sure that you can use them. But, like... The bigger thing is, like, can you educate 
the world about Africa and then take Africa's content, the people, insights, the way we do things to the world in a more, you know, in packaging the way that people are familiar with as well. But anyways, moving on. Right, so, okay. No, no, wait. I, I really want to touch on that, right? Okay. Like, like podcast is a medium, right? Because I view it as it's a subset of a bigger, uh, of a bigger uh, kind of like a banner of this thing called medium, right? It's just a channel of distribution in terms of media, just like how radio is, just like how television, just like how, um, you know, uh, newspaper is, right? And most media is tied to a conglomerate right now. You can see it now in terms of podcasting. There's a, like this year, the last two or three years, um, there's been a consolidation of podcasts. Like uh, you see uh, Spotify buying up uh, independent media houses like mm. uh, uh, Gimlet. Uh, Gimlet. You see now uh, Amazon. Amazon this uh, this week bought a Wondery. Um, like you see a big consolidation of of podcasting mediums. Like how do you view um, that space in terms of okay, the growth of podcasts will be tied to a conglomerate. Like, like Spotify literally bought uh, how many companies this year in terms of podcasts? Let's see. It started off with uh, the Ringer. <laughs> the Ringer. Uh, and now, <laughs> so yeah, the you Ringer. Personality is Joe Biden as well. Yeah, yeah, but I'm 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 saying like this year alone in terms of uh, the only even even uh, Boston Sports like the the one got bought by uh, Penn, which is a gaming organization. The, like the medium, the biggest medium or biggest distribution of. Of, of podcasts now will be tied to a platform like like they will because of the consolidation in the in the field uh what if uh, um amazon says hey you can only listen to business wars by wondery through uh whatever amazon prime right now so how do you feel about the consolidation of podcasting to a specific uh conglomerate like like a spotify like a like an amazon mesh it's really interesting i think um I'm going to change my winner to just Spotify because I'm thinking about what you're saying and like the kind of work that they've done. It's not necessarily Joe Rogan that's the winner, but like Spotify, because you think about Joe Rogan, I think it was another one with Michelle Obama who did a podcast with them. Um, Gimlet constantly pushing out flipping insane content. The Ringer, Anchor still being the thing that people need to start. Um, when they start a podcast, they start with Anchor. That says a lot about the platform and what it can do for them. And then the, there's another acquisition that they did, which was mainly around studios. So I think Spotify is the massive winner here. And how I feel about it is like it's happening globally, mainly in America, where they're really consolidating these into specific tech companies or media conglomerates. And it's interesting that that war between media versus tech is like raging. And I think this year it really came to like, really serious blows in some situations where tech um, journalists were attacking, no, where, where media journalists were attacking tech, you know, entrepreneurs or startups or whatever it was. And you see that sort of war keep going on. And you, you think about how media companies are also speaking about how Facebook actually killed the media industry by basically taking away all the ad revenue onto Facebook and then trying to get the media companies to create content for Facebook and then trying to sell that back to consumers in some way, whatever. I think 
it's going to be a very difficult year next year for independence. And it's going to be even more difficult for people that are trying to do this as an indie creator. So I think there needs to be a lot more independent media platforms. Say, for example, Lucha, apparently for the self-plug there, but a lot more <laughs> sort of Cliff Central, a little bit like, um, I remember the year where the last time I was excited about media in Africa or South Africa was when Huffington Post South Africa launched. And then it was closed six months later because they couldn't sustain the model. And I was like, but that's the thing that we really needed. We needed someone with a different perspective that was thinking about millennials and Gen Zs in a more conscious way. So I think tech understands where media is going for the generations to come. And they're willing to take um, the massive steps to acquire, whether it's um, exclusive podcasts from creators or like acquire media companies that are doing the same work. And then media is just sitting there going, we're going to keep doing what we've been doing. And it's like, I think it's okay when tech sort of disrupts industries in this way and forces them to act in a different way. So I'm really excited about where it's going, but I think it can be so much better across the continent. So I'm thinking about Africa first and everything that I'm thinking about lately. And I think it, it will be really, really insane and interesting to see what happens next. But yeah, let's move on, guys, because I don't want to... Ubele, you still have your winners. So first winner yeah. for me is Spotify. Second one, oh, man. Um, I'd have to go with Yoko. Um, very biased opinion, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> very biased, guys. I, I we, will... we can smell it right now. We can smell it right now. <laughs> can you can you smell the the bias? <laughs> exactly. It's like no, yeah, no, Yoko. It's no, like the stench right there. It's like the money just coming <laughs> off of you. <laughs> Why are you exposing me, Dan? I will say uh, disclaimer, guys. I do work with Yoko very closely, and <laughs> I'm willing to honestly say, look, guys. You know, um, I work with Yoko very closely. Um, I consider myself like a very big ambassador for them and an evangelist for the product, right? So for me, it was just like March hit. So literally one week before the lockdown, Yoko launched, uh, Yoko hosted the biggest event for entrepreneurs of the year. Unfortunately, no one's going to remember it because we went into lockdown two weeks later and everyone sort of forgot about the insane experience that Yoko Exchange was. But that was like such an amazing, like just putting something on the ground and saying, look, we are an organization that's trying to shift the landscape for small businesses and entrepreneurs across the country. And this is what it looks like. Yoko Exchange happens. The, the lockdown happens about a, two days later. I think the president spoke. Lockdown happens two weeks later. And we, you know, Yoko went through a retrenchment process. I was one of those people that were let go. And I literally... Are you back now? So I can't necessarily <laughs> speak about that. Uwele, you exposing... <laughs> no, please, please. I just want to get down to why there's an unbiased opinion here. Well, the unbiased... <laughs> Listen, please wait. Okay. I was let go. And the company went through an entire restructuring process to figure out where they could help entrepreneurs. Because Yoko's main product was, we get entrepreneurs, card readers, they transact. When the lockdown happens, you can't do that anymore. The card is not present, the customer is in, not in the shop, and the small business can't necessarily take the money from the card reader. They literally went through, I don't know, two months or three months, where they launched four different online payment methods for, for small businesses in South Africa. That was gift cards. That was um, a payment link, 
where it's constantly up and you can just buy um, anything from a small business. Um, the gift cards are mainly for donations or possibly just buying a gift card for someone else to buy from the store, shop. And then they launched a payment page, um, very similar. And then lastly, um, integrating with WooCommerce so that you can transact with Yoko online. I think that that was an insane move, an insane shift, an incredible like effort to try and like make sure that they stay true to their vision. And that for me is like such an amazing thing. I think even with everything that happened that affected the startup itself and the business itself and the people that work there, there was such an incredible effort to just go, you know what, we still have a massive purpose that we need to drive and we're going to try and do that through different means. And like the online payment methods is just one way to do that. But there's so much more that they've done that they've just really, really focused in an amazing way. Um, but yeah, that's my biased uh, pick for winners for this year. And then lastly, I would say, um, oh man, Dali, I don't want to agree with you, but Clubhouse is insane. Clubhouse is weird and interesting and like, <laughs> it's just like, for me, you know, so I've had two experiences of Clubhouse. I joined Clubhouse when it was very, a bit earlier than, way earlier than you guys. Um, when Wizza put me on, shout out to Wizza. And then um, I remember being on there and 80% of the conversations were really about tech, startups, entrepreneurship, small business or business in general, and how to navigate everything that it takes to be an entrepreneur. And then there was like three months of just growth where they tried to like get as many people in. And I, I remember asking in the very first clubhouse that I was in, I asked the guys, I was like, hey, how do you think they're going to scale this? Because the community is the real selling point or like the big thing about this platform. How do you think they're going to scale this? And everyone said, look, it's just going to be invites. So people will curate the people that go on there. And say, I don't know how many months later, Clubhouse now is evolving so quick. And it's like a massive, massive thing around community. Um, if you don't have the right people in the room, you're not going to have the best conversation. You're not going to have the best insights. You're not going to have the best experience. So the idea of community being the center of a social media platform, Facebook says they do that, but I don't think they really do. Twitter has never really been about community or connecting people in any sort of way. Instagram is not for that either. But Clubhouse really feels like a community thing. And like that for me is like super powerful. So that's the last winner for me, which is also Dali's last winner. But yeah, Ububele, it's time for yours. What's your three? And I know they're going to be all yeah. fintechs. <laughs> we just know. We just know. Well, for starters, uh, it is one of the, if not the biggest, uh, in terms of venture-backed markets in the world. Because like, uh, finances touch everything, right? But, like, the interesting thing that I saw this year is that a lot of people lost their jobs, but it was the biggest year for investing, right? Mm. The balloon of of, of uh, Robinhood uh, investors, like that was huge. Bitcoin crypto came grains, back crypto, in a big way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> decentralized finances in people's minds now. Like the general overview of investing as a whole. Like I even reopened my, my easy equities account and I don't even have money. But I'm really thinking about. <laughs> I'm really thinking about actually investing. Like people saw <laughs> saw how big you know how big the impact of investing can have on your life. Like all of a sudden, you know, uh, 
the savings that you have in your in your bank account, like they haven't grown much, right? You took that money, you put it in a couple of shares, like Tesla ballooned, like I don't know how many thousand percent. Like it was a very very yeah. good, uh, you know, it was a very there was a dip, but you know it was a very V shaped recovery in terms of 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 the stock market, like the global stock market, and you showed how divorced the the stock market is from the real uh, implication of the economy and people who had means. Uh, shifted their finances to the stock market as opposed to uh, keeping it in bank accounts and whatnot. And I think uh, that that going back into South Africa, people are going to see that, hey, man, um, you know, for the long-term sustainability of my wealth, I need to own assets. I need to own assets in the form of shares. Um, you want to start seeing that uh, the proliferation of investing to other subs, subsets of people that, um, did not think about it. Like, I, I got my mom into investing right now uh, with her, um, her stock fund, right? They have large sums of money, like hundreds of thousands of rand, just chilling in a capital bank account. Like, this is insane. <laughs> you need to shift this money into, like, a, like, a, a, like an income-generating asset. Like, you know, now, uh, you, you've seen that um, the gamification of investing. Like, a lot of uh, African countries, especially like Nigeria, have taken that, Robin Hood concept, and they have adapted it to their country. Like, there's the rise of of, of Bamboo, uh, which is an investment platform in Nigeria. Uh, there's Trove, there's uh, there's Risevest, there's Chaka Stocks. Like, they literally have four companies that are simply focused on, hey, getting more young people to invest. And I think, uh, like, I hate Easy Equities' interface. It's shitty. Like, I wish, I wish they could change it. <laughs> and, you know... Uh, uh, wow. I, I had a conversation. Like I, ha- I was, I had a conversation. Like I, I did an interview with Seb Patel from Frank. Like Frank's user interface is great, but they only have like two. In- like they're, they're more of a savings platform. And I think Nick, like this year coming up, this year, like there will be one or two players in that space in South Africa. Like getting more people investing in individual stocks or fractional investing. Uh, so investments were like was like a, a big one. Number two was payments. Uh, I won't, I won't be fully biased to, like uh, <laughs> like Mash was with Yoko. But the general overview of people shifting to online payments, like um, a lot of people don't want to touch cash anymore. Like I don't, I, I don't want to touch cash, and that, and that, in in essence, will change how the behavior of the next generation. Right? Uh, there was be, there's been a large push in terms of people. Uh, or, or companies making people adopt QR payments. Like I hate QR payments. It's a, it's a bad payments experience. <laughs> <laughs> but I wish there was Apple Pay. Like the phone as a device to pay. Like that's that's a good 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 value proposition. Uh, Why we pay was introduced when it was introduced with Zappa, which is shit. And we'll probably die. We'll probably die. Wow, this guy is doing for everybody. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, shots fired. Scarface. These Scarface tactics. Ah, yeah. No, like, QR payments are a terrible way of paying. Like, it works in China, right? Because they have channeled everything towards that. But my card works fine. I, I like tapping it everywhere I go. Uh, I, I wish I could tap my phone when I, and I leave my my wallet back. But the journal will be okay. And then there's merchant payments. Like um, there was what 60, 70 percent increase in online uh, payments uh, in for Black Friday on on Payfast. Uh, Paystack was bought by Stripe, which is huge, and they just launched in South Africa. So the overview of payments as as a general category will be big. 
And the, the third one, I had Zoom. So Zoom, Zoom also like communication is a big is a big one. Um, you will see, you'll start seeing um, uh, a, a lot of of synchronous communication, like voice based communication, audio based communication, as well, uh, especially within the work environment. And 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 I can concur with you guys. Like Clubhouse has been big, um, you, you know, and that that's going to be massive moving forward. There's a lot of new ones, uh, and they're very, I think, they vertical specific ones for uh, work, like like a voice based chat room for work, or um, one targeted specifically for for high schoolers, Gen Zs, and whatnot. Um, yeah, like that's that's going to be big. Like new ways of engaging socially. Uh, via voice and 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 uh, and video uh, next year, and I've got an, another fourth one, which I think is more re- relevant for me. By micro schools, like um, the, the way the way kids are being taught is going to completely change. Like um, YouTube, as uh, YouTube for kids specifically, has been huge for, for for parents, right? So the way the way kids kids are going to like interact with content at school will be different. You will start. Start seeing a lot of uh, kids just watching Blippi and Ryan kids and Ryan toys and CK and toys just just at school, right? Because that's how they that's how they, they they're growing up these days, and that's and those types of uh, ways of learning are very very beneficial to kids. Like kids can easily learn English just by watching YouTube channels, and they're not gonna uh, they're not gonna do it so by sitting in class or playing around uh, with toys. So. I think that's also going to be big. So investing, payments in general, um, you know, uh, communication, synchronous communication, as well as uh, how kids are taught in in school. Those are, I think, are my big winners for 2020 going into 2021. Yeah, that's amazing. But yeah, um, I think we want to go on to the other side before we run out of time, which is losers. Um, Wait. Wait, wait. Is everyone still there? Yeah. Like uh, what, can, what can I go for? My losers? Okay, but losers, just one. Like, you need to feel strongly about this. Ah! <laughs> okay. Right, one okay, loser. So, so one loser. One loser. Okay, so one loser, I'll probably say, is a very big industry, the oil companies. Mm. Ah. Mm. Yeah, so the thing is that, of course, you could get decent dividends if you actually invested in them in the stock market. But yeah, they were at all-time lows, especially remember March and even right now. Yeah. <laughs> it is like peanuts. So the thing is that I'm actually still considering uh, putting my money into oil companies, but I've still necessarily leveraged to the likes of like big commas and, and, and sorts. Because I'm like, nah, the Daddy, oil companies, unless there's like man. a rapid. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, quite a lot of these guys, all, to be quite frank, quite a lot of these guys are going to bring technology. As in, you have to be yeah, quite honest. Yeah, we're all about like, climate change in 2021. Dali, please, don't do, this. Don't do that to us. <laughs> like, well, the thing is that I suppose anybody who actually invested in Cecil and invested near to the top, it's like the same thing with crypto right now. RIP to yeah. your returns. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, so I've got a, I've got one. Uh, movie theaters. <laughs> movie theaters. <are> <laughs> I was actually going to say uh, the same thing. Uh, they gone. Like uh, Warner Bros. decided that hey, they're going fully hybrid, and they've been um, like 
like movie producers and directors hate it now. Like they said, hey, in 2021, we are simultaneously releasing uh, things in theaters as well as on our streaming site, uh, HBO Max. So that like movie theaters going forward is done. I think, uh, what's the other one? Big one, Dali in America, AMC. That one we bought by either Amazon or Spotify. I think that's that's the big thing uh, uh, that's been going yeah. on in the rumor. That they're going to use it as a way put, to just to attract customers. Yeah, funny enough, I actually put through a position in AMC. So I'm actually trying to see if I can actually buy us $2 per share. But the reality is that I'm like, when you're looking at Wonder Woman, it did like around $12 million in terms of sales. Was um, with the previous Wonder Woman, it was around like $100 million. So I'm still bullish that people still want to go to cinemas. Is this a case of having to see as and how to optimize it? So I think if it is a buyout, that would be great. It would be pretty much like what happened with Salesforce and Slack. But yeah, I'm still quite bullish that people would still want to go to the cinema. Especially like for movies like Soul. I'm not too sure if you guys have yeah. actually watched Soul, but yeah. I'm not willing I'm not willing to hack the mainframe and torrents and this i'm not i'm i'm an adult i'm an adult okay why isn't it on a streaming platform okay no, i'm not willing to do all of that we don't have disney plus yet it's a mirror yeah no i'm not getting another streaming service so with bundling wait 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 um so bundling would be like You've got Netflix, Prime, and Disney yeah. Plus all together, and then you pay. Right now. Ah, no, I'm no, not gonna do it. Look, I no, think I think they're very no, smart, no. right? Like, one of the losers for me. Netflix and Amazon Prime. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But like, I would say, like, you know, there's probably bigger winners from bigger losers from this year. But one of them for me is like. I think DSTV really doesn't know what they're doing anymore with the content stuff sometimes. Uh, they, they've got their rights. They've got their rights. Yeah, the rights. So they can look, always, yeah. The only reason I pay for Showmax is because of the sports thing now. That's the only reason. And, and I realize that that's just, the same reason one. why most people have DSTV. Mesh, mm. uh, quick one. For F1, are you paying for the F1 TV? Um, subscription or are you actually doing it through Showmax or what's it? So this is the part of life where uh, it's very nice to be a good person, Dali. Someone on Twitter just offered me their DSTV Now logins so I can watch everything (laughs) with them. (laughs) (laughs) What what kind of a life is this? (laughs) This That's how I watch F1. But yeah, I'm here I, I think my F1 TV Pro, but I'm like, what the hell? People are actually getting like DSTV now. Yeah, free. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think I think DSTV's play is to bundle Show uh, Showmax into all these little bundles. Showmax will be in all of them, and you won't be really paying for everything else. You're paying for them to sustain this thing, and I think it's a really great yeah. product. But like, it needs to be built better, man. It doesn't feel good to use when you're on there. You feel like you don't know what you're doing. It feels like, I don't know, it feels very analog. It feels like someone that used to work in TV built an app. That's what it feels like. <laughs> and that's exactly what the reality is, right? But I just think it could be so much better. But in terms of losses, I think, obviously, there's obvious ones, right? Like airlines, oil, um, possibly tourism sector in general. But I think one of the biggest ones for me have been governments. 
right? And I said this in our first yeah, podcast. Yeah, in the first podcast, I said, you know, all the governments look like winners right now. And we did that in around March, April, May, around there. And I said, all the governments look like winners because it kind of seems like they know what they're doing. And then you, you push back, you push nine months and like towards the end of the year and you go, oh shit, what the hell are these people doing? Like, what is going on? There's points where you've realized that global governments, like, and I'm not talking about just South Africa or across the African continent, the U.S. literally just, like, is in such a difficult place. Like, it's in such a difficult, difficult place. The U.K., all across Europe, you look at it and you go, governments might not be the only way that the world moves forward. I'm starting to lose faith in whether or not governments are the primary drivers of social change anymore. I think it's that pendulum is swinging towards, hey, can I build a startup? Can I build a business? Can I build an organization that changes something in society that affects it in a meaningful way besides of whatever the government is doing? When you talked about so, payments... Sorry, 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 sorry to interject, but Mesh, who exactly elects the, the government? I'm, I'm just curious. <sighs> Dali, let's not go down this path, okay? And what is the government supposed to do? I'm, I'm just curious. What, what, what do we pay our taxes to in the first place? I'm just like curious. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you Ubuvele's quote, okay? Ubuvele's quote for South Africa, okay? South Africa is a Ponzi scheme. Funded by citizens, okay? When you pay taxes, you're paying towards the Ponzi scheme. We all know it's going to fail. It's going to keep failing, but we're going to keep pumping money into it until the point where there is no money to pump into. It doesn't end. So, Dali, you see your taxes? It's funding the Ponzi scheme right now. That's what it's doing. I'm I'm okay with my returns. I'm okay with my returns. I, mean, I get my returns. I, I get my like personal returns. I'm like, yeah. Because you happy. make seven figures during a pandemic. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you're fine. Yeah, I think you'll be fine, Danny. Okay, last one, gents. Last, last one. Okay, big prediction for 2021. Um, it needs to be massive. It needs to be colossal. It needs to be a game changer. What do you think 2021? Um, has in store for people, entrepreneurs, small businesses, startups, corporations. What is your big prediction for 2021? We will play this this time next I'll year and <laughs> we'll have first. to speak about it. Cool. I'll go first. Every single large company in South Africa will adopt a hybrid model of working. Two days at home, two days in the office, three days in the office. Hmm. But that's an easy one. But it's also a difficult one. Uh, uh, I get you. I get you. No, I get you. How do you think fully remote will go, though? Oh, no, I've got, a, I've got, a, I've got another one. Uh, fully remote, I think it can only work with tech, tech organizations, like, like knowledge workers, people who use uh, a laptop to work. Like, general workers can't. Like, people who need to, you know, be in a physical space in order to work. Um, can't necessarily work. So I get why Shopify may do that. Like they, they're a technology company. But for uh, for other companies, it won't necessarily work. But for majority of people, hybrid work and uh, hybrid hybrid work um, will be uh, will be the main thing. My number two prediction is that 
South Africa will get universal basic income, and most uh, emerging market huh. countries will 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 adopt it. Hmm. Uh, by the way, um, how is that going to happen, especially with these guys? Especially with these guys, Dali, can you yeah. be more specific? I'm not sure who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm talking about the government. We know who exactly they are. As in the, the reality is, I'm like thinking, we're talking about like a UBI, and I'm like, these guys have literally just been plundering the funds that have actually been provided to actually help the people. And I don't know which why exactly it's an illness. Oh, no, it's like, which for example, the, the, the COVID fund. As, so we've Where got did COVAX. They come from? I'm not too. Well, it seems like it's taxpayers and probably what the World Bank and. Ah. There you go. The Ponzi scheme continues, Daddy. <laughs> the Ponzi scheme continues. <laughs> no, it's just ridiculous. I'm like, you know, as much as for instance, I understand, like, I, I think I've shared with you guys several times that everybody actually working in my company is actually earning 10,000 rand and above, right? And if you think of the 10,000, you're already like in the 10% of top earners in South Africa, which is sad, right? But um, I'm thinking what the heck is the government doing? As an end of the day, it's all about prayers and wanting to actually see as to how things actually work out. I'm like, prayers are not going to help anything. It's obviously good to actually pray, but let's actually make sure that we can put into action to actually help each other. I'm like, this is absolute bullshit. Sorry to say. As in, uh, I, I'm actually very frustrated where I'm like thinking, our people are starving. As in, like, at the end of the day, like even, for example, my security guards or at my complex right now, these guys ask for money. As in, of course, I'm actually ticked at, at times. So I'm like, guys are clearly just being paid um, minimum wage. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. So, yeah, as in the same UBI, I'd want it to actually happen. But these guys do not have a heart. As in, for me, I'm like, hey, I fully understand that I'm okay with actually providing people welfare because you just don't have the pay minimum. But the government themselves, I'm like, you guys are just literally yeah. leeching off of whatever's actually there. Like but it say, started, that's Danny. a waste of my money. As an it started. I, yeah. It started. It started. 350 like, rand per month. The, the much, like six, 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 million rece- 6 million people receive 350 rand a month. All they need to do is bump that up to 2 grand for 1.6. You are sounding like the, 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 the IRS right now. <laughs> what did they get? It was a stimulus check of like $600? Oh, I'm like, please. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. All they need to do okay, is bump so, it up to just, just, no, 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 just seriously, three hundred fifty rand. Would you be able to make anything out of that? Even if you pumped your money three hundred fifty into the crypto market at March, that is peanuts. Mm. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, all they need to do is increase that to one point five, and then that's a universal basic income. Well, technically it's below minimum wage, but yeah. all, all we're doing is just giving people money just to survive. We need to put a floor on people, bro. Like, we can't we can't carry on with, um, you know, a large, large, a large portion of the population just, they don't work and they don't have an income. Like, that's, that's just bad. Like, this bad for the crime rate. That's just bad for, just, like, that's a route to civil war. Like, we can't sustain yeah. it. Like, 60% of the youth don't work. And we, this country yeah. is somehow not burning. Uh, it's, we're complacent. As if you compare it to the rest of Africa, to be quite frank, South Africa is enjoying it. They're chopping the money on a regular basis. But you look at the rest of Africa, they are in a really bad situation. We had even like our favorite pastor, Bushiri, as in what happened? He came from Malawi. Why, why exactly did he come to South Africa? 
Because it's easy to make money in this country if you're lawless. Exactly. I don't know, man. Dali, what's your big pr- prediction? <laughs> big prediction? Ah. Crypto? Obviously, okay. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. To, to, to be quite frank, as in like, for instance, um, as much as I'm hedging into uh, crypto, it's RAND cost averaging. So obviously, I just put it in a small amount every single month to actually buy into it. But anybody buying right now, just be brave. As in, you have to have a very strong heart. As in, you're not going to catch a falling knife when it actually drops. But the reality of it trading at three, uh, what, $30,000 um, per, per Bitcoin, RIP, if it was offered, you think that we've actually uh, been able to buy in when it's actually going to continue. I experienced the same thing in 2017. You best be willing to actually hold off for your dear life. So, yeah, for 2021, <laughs> Honestly speaking, I think the the big player will be e-commerce and obviously e-learning as well. Maybe um, it would be that people still go back to schools and the likes, but I think uh, we need like a a gyro in terms of internet. Rain, uh, rain needs like three competitors, (laughs) man. Like, rain needs serious. It needs to fight because I think there's a certain level of like comfort that comes with. Oh no, I'm the first one out the gates. Um, doing things differently, I'm um, super interesting. Mm. Let's get, let three, four other guys yeah. get in there and do the same thing and see whether or not they could go, oh, wait, shit. You know, yeah, I need to fight yeah. in a different way because it feels right now like they're so comfortable doing what they've been doing. You know, I think of Rain as being the most polarizing brand in South Africa. You either have an yeah. extremely great um, experience or extremely terrible one. And there's nothing in between. That nothing in between means that you literally only have detractors or promoters, nothing else. And that for me is like a dangerous place for a brand to be. And I'm curious to see what they do next year, but they need like three, four competitors, man. No, as in, I fully agree. As in, at the end of the day, I think when you look at the situation, um, especially when it comes to the fact of what we're even playing with right now, with internet, yeah, there's still quite a lot of. Um, room for competition. Time bank, to be quite frank, just put your money into time bank. I don't understand as to why anybody would want to put their money into African bank, FMB, Standard Bank, ABSA, <laughs> Net Bank. Don't waste your money. As another yeah, day, like for example, you're like, getting six percent uh, if like you're that. using time bank, and eight percent if, for example, you switch your salary to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not how people look at it, right? majority of people that use time bank uh require their money in hand their cash in hand they're not they're not trying to actually um save money right so so it's a good if you have it's a good uh bank to use if, if you are like a like a like a financially illiterate person that you that can use that uh that savings pocket to actually put money away but majority of people require that instant liquidity and and i think as a country, you will need to get to a point that where you know enough people are working and enough people are saving money um, to make it like a viable option. But m- most people use banks um, use banks for the, the credit functionalities, right? Uh, except for uh, cre- for credit and low fees. Uh, Captech has simple fees. That's why people use it. Um, you know, and and most people want to get the the option of getting a personal loan, right? Because to cover costs. That's how. That's how we live as a as a country, and 
that's not necessarily bad. Uh, you need a credit economy for your economy to actually grow. You need people to borrow a lot sums of money to buy a house, to buy a car. You know, we need that mobility, but we also need people to earn enough money to be able to save money. Mm. Mm. That's true. I think um, this year, especially, I think people were more um, open and honest about this idea of, hey, you need to be able to save money. And people were like, okay, but like, where's the money to save? Most South Africans don't even make enough to survive the month. Where is this coming from? Mm. And I think that's the, my big prediction for next year is that the people that make money from who they are are going to struggle the most. Because the reality is that the market is shifting and people don't trust. That trust deficit is widening. Where people are starting to question people that they just thought, oh no, you're the expert. I'm just going to sit here and eat the food that you give me. But no, I want something more. I want to, you know, let's go through a course. Let's do, uh, I don't know what. But like people that are making money from who they are need to be start start thinking about how to build platforms, how to build um, properties, how to build something else outside of themselves that can actually run on its own. Independent media houses, independent financial advisory services, independent um, brand and marketing um, consultancy, whatever it is, get out of that zone of like, okay, I am MASH and I'm just going to make money from who I am and brands are just going to keep coming to me and I'm just going to keep taking that money and like keep that cycle, I think, is end, is coming to an end in some levels. I think influencer marketing is super powerful and super valuable in some senses, but you're starting to see people starting to go, but, like, what's more? And what that more is for me is, like, building communities, properties, and platforms outside of yourself to create something that can actually earn money, like, while you sleep or whatever it is. So... Unfortunately, I've been influenced by Navalism or whatever Dali called it. And <laughs> I subscribe to a lot of the thinking around, you know, you really need to start separating yourself from the work. And like, if the only way you can make money is if you are sitting in a chair and you are the one doing the typing, doing the speaking, doing the advising, doing the research, doing the, then you are going to be in a difficult place. And this year really showed the impact that can have on someone when there's only one thing that you are sort of making money from and that thing is yourself and your capacity and your output. I think the the, the shift and the movement towards building platforms, building communities, building something outside of yourself, that is going to be my big prediction for this year is that next year people are going to really, really, like really, really focus themselves on making that shift and making that move and like, the biggest one I think I hope to see is content creators moving from, hey, I'm a YouTuber to, hey, we're building a media company. There's a guy that does video. There's a guy that does podcasts. There's a guy that does newsletters. There's mm-hmm. a guy that, you know, and we all sort of come together as five, six, ten creators and create a super media, you know, whether it's niche or not, super creator network that actually can you know, command a lot more respect and a lot more power in the rooms where you're speaking to brands. Because now what they're doing is like you leverage, right? Like you look at one creator and another creator. Let's say they have similar followings, they have similar um, listenership or consumption numbers. And you're literally just going, hey, um, how much do you want? How much do you want? And then you go with the guy that goes cheaper or lower and tries to give you a lot more. But if someone goes, hey, 
guys, let's all, all 10 of us or hundreds of us go, we building a media company. And if you partner with this company, you partner with all of us, all of us. And like, there's a shared earning, shared learning, shared growth, shared experience of what actually the gains of, 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 of brand and marketing can be. And like, I think, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see whether or not people really think about this more consciously and start to go, you know what, the game favors brands right now, but how can we change that dynamic for media companies to start to emerge? We need so much more African media. We need so much more Africans building media companies, um, building whether it's tech platforms, whatever it is, and, and trying to com combine community content and commerce in very creative ways and trying to really build things that matter that are outside of yourself. That's like my big, crazy, weird one. Okay. Yeah. All right. But guys, thank you so much. Um, hey, Upsa, we didn't hear from Upsa. No, Upsa already went. He said... He um, I had two, but... <laughs> <laughs> he said universal basic income. And uh, what was the first one, Upsa? Oh, every, every company goes to a hybrid model. Hybrid model. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, I fully understood. This is that I think it was also just chiming in. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe you were. <laughs> oh, so I just chime in. I, I don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my apologies. My apologies. Who's hiding in his car right now? <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Um, really good year. Um, super, super looking forward to working with you guys again next year and see what other amazing things we can build up, man. Cool, man. Yeah. Thanks, Mash. Cool. Wait, uh, yeah. Dali, shout out to you for putting us on onto crypto, bro. <laughs> Ali brought us Bitcoin for Christmas. Hey, crypto gang. Crypto With all gang, his millions. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have millions. It will be million Zim dollars. Yeah, Zim dollars. Million, millionaire in terms of a, 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 Zim, a Zim billionaire. Yeah. From November. <laughs> Cheers, hey, guys. But, hey, but anyway, just the last point. This, this rand cost average, regardless of what the the price of crypto would be, even if it's a hundred rand, a thousand rand every month, just put that aside. As another day, uh, yeah. regardless of if it goes up or down, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I'm I buying. Thought. I'm buying dollars. Like beginning of the year, I wanted to buy dollars actually, just to have like a dollar holding on my shift account. Yeah, hey, I did the same thing right now. And at least I've actually just put through a few uh, calls. I'm just waiting for them to actually transact around like 5 p.m. on the uh, American stock market. Ah, those millions are going to dollars, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right, we're, we're trying to teach each other to be rich. But yeah, guys, enjoy uh, the new year. Great chatting. And yeah, take care. Take care, guys. Cheers.